Welcome to My Ed Expert, specializing in what's possible in education. By merging research, practice, and passion, we provide insights from top educational thought leaders for right now implementation. Now, here's your host, author Susie Pepper Rollins. I am so very glad you're with us today. We're in a passion field. My guest is a passionate educator. I got into the field out of passion for kids, our content, and we want to change the world. But we as educators have so much on our shoulders. We're carrying it around every day. So I sent out an invitation to this wonderful man, <laughs> and he's called the Zen teacher. His name is Dan Tricarico, and he's going to help us manage all this stuff that is swirling around us. How are you, Dan? I'm doing great. Thank you, Susie, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm so glad you're here. Let me tell you a little bit about Dan. Uh, He's been a high school English teacher for over 25 years, but you probably know of him as the Zen teacher. He's the author of the book, The Zen Teacher, and he's also written a book called Sanctuary, Self-Care Secrets for Stressed Out Teachers. He's also a poet. So there you go. (laughs) Uh, So, Dan, first thing I want to know, how did you get so involved in, in this world of not just being a passionate educator, but realizing that, gosh, the stress that we bring in is a lot and how we need to manage all of that. Tell us a little bit about how this developed for you. Sure. Thank you, Susie. You know, like a lot of things, it started uh, with a personal experience and out of a sort of sense of my own need and my own desperation. Um, I was heading toward burnout myself. Uh, I saw a lot of great teachers around me uh, just melting down and stressing out and really just leaving the profession. And I thought, I can't do that. I At the time, I had about 10 years left uh, until I could retire. And I thought, I have to find a way to make it through. And I didn't know how I was going to do that. And I was walking, just taking a walk one day, trying to figure out how I was going to navigate all of this stress. And, you know, I mean, like, the, you know, uh, we were, our class sizes were hovering around 40, and the testing machine was out of control, and we weren't getting the support we needed. There was never any funding, all of these things. I'm like, how am I going to, you know, handle this? And then I started thinking back when I was a, a drama major and an actor, and the acting teachers talked about something called a relaxed preparedness. And that meant you were calm, but you were ready to perform. You were, were, you were relaxed, but you were ready to go. And I thought, well, that's what teachers need. And so I started um, the blog called The Zen Teacher. And then because we live in a wonderful 21st century world, I pushed it out on Twitter. Every blog post I would send out on Twitter with some hashtags. And teachers started to respond. And that was kind of the first sense I got that, oh, it's not just me. (laughs) You know, this is a a bigger issue. And um, a lot of teachers are feeling this. And then I was fortunate enough to turn that into a book. And now it it really, uh, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it's become a new calling for me. I love helping teachers. Teachers are my heroes. They are doing the most important work on the planet, In you know, in my opinion, And um, it's just been wonderful to be able to help them reduce their stress and improve their self-care. And um, I I get messages probably a couple times a week just saying, oh, you know, the book changed my life. You know, you're really making a difference. Thanks for doing what you do. And that's the most humbling thing in the world. And I'm just so pleased to be able to do this. Now, of course, I always say I, I wish there wasn't a need for what I do. You know, that would be the ideal. But, um, but that's kind of how I got into it. And I remember, um, one time sitting in my classroom with, uh, our vice principal. And I just remember my, my head was in my hands and we were talking about a, a student who really just 
you know, wasn't his presence in my class was not sustainable. And the vice principal was saying there was no place else to put him. And, um, and she kind of leaned over and she said, you know, we, you know, wh- wh- what's wrong? And I said, well, I'm just really stressed out and overwhelmed. And she said, well, you know, we have an EAP program, which is the employee assistance program, which is the mental health branch of our health benefits. And, and I love therapy. I'm a fan of therapy. I call it the emotional gym because that's where you work out. But the idea that, that she thought I needed therapy because the system was broken was infuriating to me. And so that, all that kind of stuff pushed me uh, into this, this path of thinking, how can teachers reduce stress? And, I, and like I said, it just, I, it's a much, much bigger problem than I realized, and I wish it wasn't a problem at all. You know what? That is so interesting. And I'm just glad you're talking about this because, you know, I've been a teacher for a really long time. And I think there's this just I don't know, this mentality of just sort of buck up. You know what I mean? Get back in there. And and I wonder, you know, do you think educators today are under more stress than 10 years ago, 20 years ago or my teachers? Every many years ago, that was. do Do you feel that we're under more stress? And if so, why? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons. Some of them I mentioned, the testing machine is out of control. We we test far too much, and that's a lot of stress on teachers and students and administrators and you know, to, to succeed, to achieve, to reach these numbers that they're shooting for, whatever those numbers mean. I'm not entirely sure. But um, there's that. There's the, the big class sizes. There's the lack of financial resources. But then there's also um, social things. Like I know, um, as you said, I've been teaching for over 25 years. And uh, just to, to point out one thing, that I know is on everybody's mind. I didn't have to worry about school shootings when I started. And now that's, you know, I still try not to think about it because I want to focus. I want to, you know, be mindful and be in the moment and be in the classroom. But the idea that we're thinking about these things um, is just, even on the back burner, it's huge stress, just absolutely huge stress. So yes, I absolutely think uh, stress is worse than it was when I started. Now, I, you know, I'm an old guy, so it's like, you know, maybe the new people, they go, well, this is the, this is their normal and they don't know any different. And sometimes that's a blessing, but I'm old enough and long in the tooth enough to see the change. And I think it's, it's more stressful. Well, when we talk about, um, you, you talk about in your books that it really matters for us as teachers and as leaders to take care of ourselves. Um, yes. Why does that matter? How does that make me a better educator? As long as I'm hitting those learning targets every day and I got my such question posted and my open and my closed, <laughs> you know what I mean? Why oh, yeah. does it matter that I also need to take care of me? Well, the short answer is you'll be happier, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, there's the old saying, happy wife, happy life. But I think that applies to educators, too. I think happy teacher, happy students. And, you know, we are such a presence in the classroom. Really, we're we're the main presence in the classroom. And if we're calm and relaxed and focused, then that's going to be contagious. And that's going to kind of you know, the, the students are going to feed off of that. And then we're going to create that vibe in the classroom, which I think just makes things more pleasant for everybody. And, you know, also, Susie, of course, it's the old oxygen mask metaphor from, you know, the, the, the plane situation. You know, you have to put your mask on first. You have to take care of yourself first. And teachers, you know, God love them. They are such givers that I say that they'll, I think I said this in sanctuaries, they, They'll, they'll give and give and give. And, and, you know, the old saying, you can't give from an empty cup. And teachers will give until the cup is empty, and then they'll give away the cup. And my job is to help them get their cup back. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Okay, so let's talk about some actual things we can do here. Let's, so mm-hmm. 
I, I was looking at, first of all, let's start with some basics here. Um, mm-hmm. You talk about Zen teacher. So let's, we all kind of use that word, you know, and sometimes we mm-hmm. use it with, with the twinkle yeah. in our eye, you know. So oh, yeah. tell us what does Zen actually mean? So let's start there. Okay, so, you know, from a very kind of practical bottom line uh, situation, the word Zen means that you are um, in the moment accepting things exactly as they are. There's no judgment. And we live in a culture that's big on duality. There's good, bad, light, dark, top, bottom, all of, all of these kinds of dualities. But um, I have found in my experience that if I am just a Zen, if I'm just in the moment and accepting things as they are with no judgment, and just say it is what it is, then um, I'm much calmer and the stress goes down. And I actually work with a teacher. He's, he uh, supports me in one of my classes. And one of his favorite sayings is, it is what it is. And I, and I think sometimes, I, I don't know if you realize how zen you're being when you say that. But it's just about being in the moment and, and not saying it's good or bad. It just is. And that comes with a lot of practice. It's not an easy thing to do sometimes because it's so simple. But it's just, you know, detachment from expectation and um, non-judgment and acceptance. Okay, so I'm reading your book Sanctuary right now, and thank and I and I've and I've really got oh no, thank you because I'm a stressed <laughs> out person. So I, I mean, I just got an eye watch, and I'm finding that it's 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 bossing me around. You know what I mean? Tell me to breathe, uh-huh. tell me to get up. I'm like, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> so another, I meant to do a de-stressor, but anyway, that's me. So. <laughs> I'm, 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 tell us about sanctuary and what, what that means for us to find a sanctuary and, and give us a little more on that. Well, if you're feeling super stressed out, it's, it's just really beneficial to, to find some place, either a literal place or a figurative metaphorical place where you can just chill out, where you can just relax and be where you are and, and just decompress. And that's going to be different for everybody. And that's probably where some of that bossing around comes is, is just telling everybody, hey, you need to do it the way that's right for you. And um, everybody should have a sanctuary. Sometimes with teachers, the beautiful thing is, as you say, we're, we're such passion people that sometimes the classroom is our sanctuary. And I, think, I hope it's that way. And it's that way for me. I love being in my classroom. It's my home away from home. But I think sometimes with teaching, it can be such a 24-7 job, and we don't always know when to shut it off or how to shut it off, that um, sometimes it's helpful to have another sanctuary. And that could be at home with the family. It could even be as simple as driving home in the car with the radio off, just in that little bubble of peace and quiet and simplicity in the car. It could be going, to, uh, taking a walk in the mountains, going down by the beach. It's wherever you find that stress relief and that decompression that's going to help you be better when you go back in the classroom the next day. And I think that's important for everybody. Well, since I started reading your book, I've actually been doing this. I've, I've started today making a little sanctuary outside my office window with bird feeders. That's going to be mine. Awesome. So it's like, cause I thought, well, what makes me calm? And so that's what I've started doing. So thanks. See, you, you got me over to the Home <laughs> Depot this morning and I'm buying all this bird stuff, Dan. So, okay. That's awesome. And you know, I'm going to convert the, you. Well, I'm going to try. But one of the things <laughs> that I found as a teacher is, I know this is a, maybe, a, a, I don't know, you tell me if it's good or, good or not, but. I would just start at when I would stop, enter my door, my classroom door. I would tell myself, 
you know, I'm going to put everything else aside now, you know, and, and I'm going to focus on my kids. Because what I find unique about education, it's such a unique field because you mentioned 40 kids. I remember when I taught middle school and we, we just had cramped classrooms and all those right. kids have, have lives and all of them have stressors right. and all of them are dealing with a lot. So I, you know, that's, I think what makes our world so unique and we worry so much about them. And then we have mm-hmm. our own families and it's so hard to find some kind of balance in that when you are a passionate person, right? Right. Right. Thank you. Okay. I, I know you're not my therapist, Dan, but I'm just reaching out here. Okay. okay. Reaching out to you. I'm out buying bird feeders now, Dan. You're going to have to throw me That's a lifeline. Right. Okay. So let's get you some strategies that that teachers mm-hmm. can use right away you know, in our classrooms today or leaders, because I think leaders are super stressed out too, because they hear things yes. at a district meeting, then they come over to the school. You know what I mean? And they've got to deliver these messages to us. And, and so I just think we're in this whole cycle together. So give us some strategies to help us relax, enjoy our work more, maybe renew our passion for the job, all the above, go for it. Okay, thank you. I think the first thing that I always start with is the idea of permission. We have to give ourselves permission to take care of ourselves. Uh, Again, teachers are givers, and they think everything has to be about the students. And I loved what you were saying, because I always try to remember that if there are 40 students in my class, there are 40 stories. And we don't know who came in without breakfast or who broke up with the girlfriend or boyfriend or who had a fight with mom in the car. And as you said, they are all dealing with all of their stuff and we are all dealing with all of our stuff. So to help them and to help ourselves, we have to start with permission. And um, I'm a big fan of a a wonderful researcher and person named Brene Brown. And um, in her book called Rising Strong, she talks about um, actual literal permission slips for self-care and for taking care of yourself. And I kind of um, piggybacked on that idea, or or I guess, you know, in teacher talk, I would say I quote unquote borrowed it um, because she's absolutely right. We know in education that if you're going to take your students on a field trip, you need a permission slip from the parents signed because it gives permission, it's binding, it's a contract, and it's real. And so we need to take that idea of self-care out of our heads and make it concrete in front of us. So I recommend, first of all, that when teachers give themselves permission to, uh, you know, uh, pursue a self-care activity, that you write it down in, in, a, in a permission slip. I give myself permission to read for pleasure Friday night from 8 to 8.30 and be as specific as possible about exactly what you want that you think will take care of yourself. I give myself permission to go to Home Depot and make a bird feeder because that's what calms me down. And so permission is the first step. Then I, I, I tell people to think about um, what I call their Zen practice. And for people who are sort of the purists in Zen, that might be meditation, that might be a practice called Zazen, which is the sitting meditation, where you go to maybe a meditation center and you sit on the cushion for two hours. But not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody has time to do that. That's not everybody's path. So I say find what your Zen practice is. And that means that thing that you do that when you're getting stressed out, you're like, oh, if only I could get to that thing, I would be more calm. For some people, it's singing or quilting or woodworking or uh, for me, it's writing. Uh, you know, you mentioned I was a poet. I, I can get so lost in the moment when I'm writing poetry and sculpting those words and revising a poem and just working with the language. And then I look up and hours have gone by and I've been so in tune. And, you know, they, they call that the state of flow, right? Where you're just in the moment and nothing else matters and it kind of all melts away. And then when we're done, I think 
you know, we, we just feel more calm and we feel more relaxed. And I think that's what we're after. So you have to determine if you, you know, uh, I think most people know what their Zen practice is, although they may not call it that. But the question really becomes, how do you get there more often? Um, and then that's a very, very intentional thing. You, it's not going to happen, happen randomly. It's not going to happen serendipitously. You have to set an intention that this weekend I'm going to, you know, do my thing. I'm going to, to do some woodworking. I'm going to do some writing. I'm going to take a walk, whatever it is for you and, and kind of stick to that. And, and again, that happens through permission and intention. Um, another idea would be the idea of, um, uh, what I call the the five ten fifteen approach, which is people are busy, they've got a lot going on, uh, but everybody has five minutes. And if you're just go go go, you know, always got something going on. Um, just look, okay, where can I find five minutes? And you know, what can you do in five minutes? You know, how how you know what is that like six hundred seconds? I guess if I'm doing the math right, right? And like, what can happen? Well, I can listen to a song. Um, I can read uh, a blog post. I can, um, you know, uh, just, you know, just little things, just little things that are, that are going to give you a break from everything else. And then what can I do in 10 minutes? Well, I can call my mom, depending on the mom, you know, some moms take a little longer. Um, I can listen to a song. I can, oh, I think I said that, but, um, you know, just what, what can I fill that 10 minutes with that's going to decompress me and, and relax me. And then 15 minutes is a little bit longer. And sometimes we can carve that out. And I, I remember um, a few Christmases ago, I was taking down our extensive Christmas light, uh, you know, um, situation, and I just needed a break. And, and I, I went in the garage and I set the lawn chair down and I grabbed a seven up and set my, my timer on my on my phone for 15 minutes. And things weren't done. And I had a million things to do. But I just was listening to my body and listening to my heart and saying, I need a break. When the 15 minutes was up, I got back and I got back to work and I felt much better and I was able to return much more calm and much more with a much better attitude than if I had just burnt myself out by going nonstop. And so I think those are some starter kit things that that, uh, teachers can try and think about when they want to take care of themselves. Those are wonderful. And uh, before I forget, Dan, I want to tell people how they can find you. Your website is thezenteacher.com. And what is your Twitter? Oh, it's at the Zen teacher. And I just started um, experimenting with Instagram and I've been having a lot of fun with that. And that's at Zen teacher. Uh, I guess the was already taken. Um, and I, I'm just uh, just having a blast posting on there and learning how to do stories and live videos and things like that. So check me out there. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We have a, a closed Facebook group that has almost a thousand teachers in it from around the world. And um, those are those are all, you know, all the places I can think of right now, there's lots of places, you know, my email is teachingzen at gmail.com. And I always love to hear from people if you have questions or concerns or just, you know, want to reach out and say hi. So all those places. Okay, so very good. So on your website, I know that's where I found your Twitter and I'm following you. So if you if you're driving, mm-hmm. just remember the zenteacher.com and then you can find these other um, social media connections there for Dan. And that's great that people are reaching out to you. Okay, so we talked about like these strategies and my sanctuary and I got bird feeders going and it doesn't have to be a physical <laughs> thing. I understand that now. Right. Um, so w- one thing I want to talk about though is those are things that we're making a conscious effort to do. We're giving our, ourselves permission to do. We're making time to do. But as we all know, as classroom teachers uh, and as leaders in buildings, 
sometimes a lot of times it's coming out of left field, you know, like I'm, things are going well at work. Things are going fine today. Yes. And then something unexpected happens, an incident with a student, uh, uh, something or what, you know, we have a million things that can happen in our building. So when, what kind of strategy or do you have any strategies for those moments? Like I wasn't expecting this and now I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed and stressful. Right. And I think that goes all the way back to the idea of when you asked me, what is Zen? And it, it's, and, and you're right, those things happen. I, I got my administration credential. And the one thing I remember from the training is they said, you may go in uh, with a list of 10 things that you need to accomplish that day. And you'll be lucky if you get one or two of them done. Because as you said, things come up every day that interfere with that. So if you go all the way back to what I talked about with what Zen is, it's about acceptance. So when that thing comes up, you go, okay, this is what we're doing now. And I know I had that other thing I was going to get to, but I just need to be present here and, and do this thing now. And then maybe I'll get to that later. You need to um, experience and practice detachment from anticipated outcomes. There's an old saying that um, most of suffering is the result of thwarted expectations. And that really resonates with me because I have a lot of expectations and I really get upset when things don't go the way I want. And probably the greatest lesson for that for me was becoming a parent because I, you know, I, I want to apologize to my daughters now because I look back and I would take them out for an outing and like had it in my mind exactly how it was going to go. And it never went that way. And so I would get upset and frustrated. And I really, I wish I knew now what I knew then, because I really would have just chilled out and said, hey, the day's going to go how it goes, and that's okay. And then if there are things left over, I'll get to them tomorrow. Super hard to practice and to learn. But if you get in that mode of, okay, that's, you know, that's the path I'm on, then with practice, it gets easier. Do you have any guidance or ideas for school leaders who are administrators in buildings to try to watch the stress level of our teachers, what we can do? You know, I was even thinking about a sanctuary little place there or our professional development or something where we can try to help teachers with all that they're managing. Yes, you're, you're talking about um, my dream world pie in the sky ideas that I've had. I mean, I, I just thought, and if anybody's listening, this, this is the first time I'm, I'm saying this. I thought it would be wonderful for every district to have a, you know, they have a million assistant superintendents. So why not one that's the assistant superintendent of teacher wellness? Because that's what we really need. Teachers are the most important resource that a school has. Try doing what, I'm sorry, I'm getting on my high horse now. Try doing what schools do without teachers and see how far you get. If they're not in a good place, it's not going to happen the way you want it. And you can forget those high test scores or whatever else the goal is at the time. So yes, it would be wonderful. I've heard of, uh, and it's starting to happen, Susie, which is amazing. When I started this, there, I didn't hear about anything, but now I'm hearing about uh, administrators who are setting up little meditation rooms or mindfulness rooms or whatever they would call them where teachers can go and just kind of be in a, in a, a quiet, still place so that they can decompress. We're, we're hearing about mindfulness in education. We're hearing about mindfulness in the classroom with students, um, which I think is great. I, you know, people ask me about that and say, do you do that? And I'm like, no, I really want to focus on teachers because nobody's helping teachers. And so I want to do what I can to, to focus on them. But there's plenty of resources for doing mindfulness with students in the classroom. But I think we're hearing more of this now. So I'm hoping that we'll get to that point. And you're absolutely right. The key is that administrators need to be aware of this. So it's, you know, part of what I'm doing is raising consciousness and just saying, hey, your teachers are struggling and, and they need help. 
and uh, I can help them or, you know, books can help them or online courses can help them, but get them help. Right. And, um, and that's just going to, to benefit everybody from top down from administrators to students. But I think, uh, with, with vehicles like this, like this podcast, Susie, we're going to get that word out and, and the administrators are going to think more about it and, and then it will help teachers. Absolutely. And I, I, I think, you know, also just, just understanding from a leadership perspective, because I understand that they're under stress, you know what I mean? That these things, and, and sure. but that they're, they have to kind of communicate with us sometimes in a way that's not going to ramp things up, you know, because that sometimes that's not, yeah. not that helpful, you know? So we get in this right. loop of stress kind of, you know? So uh, <laughs> one thing I remember reading in my last book and it pointed it, I just see it in buildings all the time is when teachers feel like every everything's on their shoulders. Like I I've got to make this happen with the test scores and all that, that we, we get so ramped up. We just start pushing things out to students almost in a panic, you know, and, and, yes. it, and that can be counterproductive. You make the case that we make a choice to take care of ourselves. Do you want to, is there any extra comment you want to make that? Cause I think that's really, that really resonated with me in your book that I'm making a choice mm-hmm. on this. Well, I, I remember when um, I, I moved out for the first time and I kept looking around my apartment looking for my parents or some other authority figure to tell me what to do. And, and I had to realize there was nobody else that it was up to me at that point that I was now responsible for making every single decision I made in my lifetime. And teachers look to administrators, they look to the district, they look to the state, but I don't think they realize how much power they have. I think they're, they're, um, just blind to that. They don't get how much power they actually have to make choices and set intentions for themselves. When they realize that power, hopefully they would make more choices for self-care so that they can, uh, so that their career becomes sustainable. Because I worry about the numbers of people who may or may not be coming into the profession when you look at the massive amounts of stress and the undercompensation. Uh, financially. It's just, it's a bad combination. And why would people elect to do that? Even though I think it's the most important work on the planet and that I can't think, I I can't imagine doing anything else. I love what I'm doing, but you know, there's a trade-off. And so I think that we need to remember that the choice is ours. We have more power than we think. And, and that if we don't make that choice, uh, uh, it's going to be harder to sustain the career. Well, the nature of our work is that we we are probably are going to take it home and carry a lot on our shoulders because we worry about our kids. You know, yes. we, something will happen. It's it's not we don't sell insurance. Not that that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying. You know, <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. You can't. It's hard to turn it off. You know, because we do human beings all day and we worry about them, and it's just, it's just a lot on us. We started the the conversation about what a passionate job we're in, a passion field. We we certainly don't enter it for the money or stay. We'd be real disappointed. You know, um, how do we keep that passion alive? Well, I think, you know, it's focusing on, uh, you know, and, and I'm not the first person to say this, but focusing on the why, focusing on the purpose, focusing on why we went into it in the first place, which is to help people and to touch the future in a way that few other professions do. Um, I, I think that uh, the ripple effect that teachers have is incalculable. And, um, and, and, you know, so much of what we do is on faith. You know, because unless a student says, hey, you made a big difference in my life, we don't know. And, and I think I've heard other teachers refer to it as planting seeds. So if you can focus on those things and know that, that you're, you know, you're doing uh, a great job and that, that um, 
what you're doing is so powerful. I think that helps. The other thing that you were making me think of is, is one of the uh, things I talk about in, um, in both books, actually, I think, is the idea of subtraction. When all of that's carrying on our shoulders, which was the image that you um, mentioned, is, well, okay, if I have to do standardized testing, if I have to have 40 kids in the class because I don't have any control over that, what do I have control over that I can subtract? What kind of old dumb unit can I get rid of that never really worked right in the first place? How can I get rid of a file cabinet to create more space in my classroom so that we just have breathing room and elbow room? How can I um, subtract something at home that um, you know will, will create more uh, psychic space and and physical space? So the idea of subtraction and and you know what is within our circle of influence that we can eliminate because there are so many things that we can't eliminate because we don't have control over them. I think that helps too. You know, you touched on something. This was valuable for me is it's figuring out there are some things that I cannot control, you know, and and what's in my realm, what's in my four walls of my classroom uh, that I can really do a great job with every day. So sometimes I had to just let yeah. go of a couple things, you know, because I, 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 we, we're world changers. That's why we go in there and we get frustrated, yeah. you know, because we want things to move <laughs> at a different pace, you know. Yes. I yeah. cannot tell you how much I've enjoyed talking to you today. I was so looking forward to visiting with you. Oh, I, 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 I'm yeah. only reading the one book. I want to get through the other one as well. But again, the two books, one, of course, The Zen Teacher, um, and the other is called Sanctuary, uh, which are strategies for teachers. I'm trying to remember. What's the subtitle? I'm trying to remember on that. Um, Self-Care Secrets for Stressed Out self-care Teachers. Self-Care Secrets for Stressed Out Teachers Sanctuaries. And I know they're both on Amazon. I believe they're both on your website as well, aren't they, Dan? If people want to link up there. So. Yes, with with links to Amazon. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. Dan and I do not want to close this podcast without thanking every educator out there for all that you do every single day. Absolutely. It's such a tough job, but I just love it. You take great care of your students, but what we're trying to tell you today is take care of yourself too. Um, yes, please. And join us every week for a new podcast with a wonderful educational thought leader like Dan. Thank you so much, Dan, for joining us today. Thank you, Susie. You had a great time. We are so glad you joined us on this episode of My Ed Expert. For more resources on the ever-evolving realm of education, head on over to myedexpert.com and get inspired by all of our authors' work through downloads, strategies, and best practices. While you're there, hop on to get updates right to your inbox because you don't want to miss a thing right here on My Ed Expert.